Hello, dark friends. Now's your chance to atone and help the boys by throwing them a buck or two over at Patreon and help keep them from spending any more nights under a bush. Well, not rich, but Rob and Bill deserve a nice bed at an inn for a change. Get exclusive access to bonus content and much, much more. So go to patreon.com forward slash the Tarviran and donate a couple of bucks. That's patreon.com forward slash the Tarviran and come be part of the pattern. Hey everyone, Scott here with my good pal Rich. Say hi, Rich. Hi. And we're here today to tell you about a podcast we host together with our buddies Jay and Bill, the RPG After Years. The After What? The RPG After Years. Our show has entered into a new era of covering everything RPGs, both old and new. Thus, it is after its first era. It's the After Years. I thought RPG was Rocket Propelled Grenade. No, RPG stands for Role Playing Game. It's a genre of video game. Every week, we go through the latest news and discuss other relevant RPG-related topics. We also review RPGs as we complete them. So an RPG is not a rabid Portuguese goose? No, thank God. From Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy to The Witcher and Cyberpunk, we've got RPGs covered from the dawn of time to the far-flung future. Oh, I've heard of Final Fantasy. I'd hope so. So check us out on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening platform happens to be. You can also find us at probablywork.com. Level up your podcast feed with the RPG After Years. Enjoy the show. Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, in whatever time period, whatever age you happen to be listening to this. And welcome, my dear friends, to the pattern. Yes, it's me again. It's Bill. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going solo again once, <laughs> once again with the Renegade Master B four Bower. Power to the people back once again for the Renegade Master B four. Anyway, showing my age there nicely. Uh, yes, <laughs> welcome to the pattern, everybody. Now, um, this week I was supposed to be recording with my my good buddy Rich. Hi, Rich. How are you? Uh, but unfortunately, again, our work schedules have just completely buggered us up. Buggered us up. I had the fortunateness of my work, where I was actually able to change my hours uh, so that I could record with Rich. And then, unfortunately, uh, Rich's work then changed his hours, which meant he had to go in even earlier, so we couldn't actually record together. So, you know, these things happen. Sometimes it's lovely, sometimes it's an absolute bugger. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, this week uh, I've consulted our news guru, uh, otherwise known as Rob, and apparently there's no news this week, so you know, <laughs> unfortunately, shit happens. Uh, yeah, it's it's slow, isn't it? You know, when a book series is completely finished and done, what is there to talk about in the news? Very, very little, I'm afraid. Very, very little. Um, 
the one thing Rob did say to say was to pick out a one of my favourite female characters from the Wheel of Time. Um, because, you know, it's International Women's Day today. Actually, the day I'm recording is International Women's Day, I think. <laughs> I think uh, I see all this stuff at work and I'm just normally too busy to pay too much attention to it. But there are so many inspirational women from the Wheel of Time series. I know Robert Jordan gets his, um, you know, he gets his occasional little punches to the face where people say, hey, you, Jordan, you're sexist. And it's just like, come on, he's not that bad. You know, he's always, you know, the women are always crossing their arms under the breasts and uh, rubbing down their skirts. But you got to remember, this is supposed to be like a sort of, you know, somewhere beyond, you know, just slightly more advanced and medieval type world. And it's very different to the world we live in today. And there are many, many inspirational women in the Wheel of Time. Now, I don't want to give out too many spoilers. I think um, Egwene and Nynaeve are very obvious candidates, uh, if you if you know the books well. If you don't, I'm not going to say why. Uh, so far in the books, they've been mildly inspirational. You'd probably say Moraine so far as far as um, our current read-through has gone, would be the most inspirational. Uh, but for me, it's uh, later on in the books, it'll probably be either Varian or Cadswain. Kads- um, she's a very hard-headed woman. <laughs> Cadswain. Kad- I want to say Cadswain. Um, yeah, if you've ever listened to uh, <laughs> uh, that song. I'm in love with a hard-headed woman. By Cat Stevens. Uh, <laughs> that song was definitely written about her. In fact, actually, to be honest with you, most of the women in the Wheel of Time are quite hard-headed. But uh, she, you know, she she really puts people in her place. <laughs> She's an absolute beast. Uh, and I just love her to bits. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, I go in. And Varin, um, her story arc in this book is insane to say the least uh, she's not even a character we've met yet in our outlines but she's one i absolutely love so many twists and turns and lefts and rights ups downs turnarounds stick your head into randland's buttland and everything you know it's just oh god some of i think there's some of robert jordan's best work in the wheel of time and i just love their characters and yeah there's just so many yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get why he gets described as sexist. You know, he is a man. He's writing female characters. He's probably not always going to get the point of views to feel completely right to however women feel. But I feel like he did a genuinely good job with writing many, many inspirational women characters into the Wheel of Time series. And um, yeah, I think he should be um, applauded for it. Really, you know, coming from a man. I'm sure all the women out there agree. <laughs> if you could disagree, please send your um, your disagreement notes to Rich at How Blue <laughs> five six. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm joking around. So, what's not next on our agenda that we have? We definitely have an agenda on the show. Um, so, uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, now you know we put iTunes reviews. We'd love to get reviews on any type of podcasting apps that you have. Or even the fantastic email we had last week that Rob read out. Um, all those sort of things are just absolutely brilliant. And they really help sort of publicise the show. And also it's a good opportunity for you guys to let us know what we're doing well and what we're doing badly. You know, 
Obviously, what we're doing badly is actually managing to hook up and do a proper show with more than one host. Uh, things that we're doing well is we are producing content. <laughs> is this content? Is this good content? Who knows? <laughs> I can only hope. The num- numbers seem good. There's, there's a good few people out there listening. So, you know, hopefully we're doing something right. Or, or maybe you're just so desperate for Wheel of Time news that you're, you'll cling on to me, Rob and Rich, rambling along with our lives. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy busy. Um, my little girls don't let me sleep much at the moment, do you, Margo? Got a, got a little baby sleeping on my chest at the moment, as we very well speak. So occasionally if you hear the odd <clears throat> little squeaks going on, but, you know, oh, I've got my cute little girl all wrapped up on top of me. So sweet. Um, yeah, um, and again, like I said, no real... Uh, Wheel of Time news this week. So, um, I think one thing, um, actually, we should tweet this out, really. Let us know, who are your inspirational women from the Wheel of Time series? Yeah? We'll tweet that out. We want to hear from you all. So, let us know who you think are your inspirational women, and then we'll we'll read some of those notes out on next week's show. Uh, yeah? So, uh, before we get into the, uh, the chapter discussion this week, we will be having a readings with Rob this week. So you are all saved from hearing my dulcet tones for the next 30 to 40 minutes, including me reading a reading with Bill, which I know are terrible. <laughs> and I love Rob's. I love the character voices he does for most people. And uh, I always like to save it as well. It's a nice little uh, nice little present for me. I just um, I cut I cut and paste his recordings into the episode. I wait to listen to it when it actually comes down into my podcast feed, <laughs> just to give myself a little surprise. So um, we will be having readings with Rob. Uh, but first, we'll just have a little quick word from our uh, our lovely sponsors. Do you like history? Have you ever tried eating a corned beef sandwich in zero gravity? Are you a fan of emus? Do you long for a simpler time when the world's greatest global crisis involved horse manure? If the answer to any of these questions was no, then we have the podcast for you. Epic Fails of History. The podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death. So, speaking of Nazis, who would win a fight between Teddy Roosevelt and Benedict Arnold? It's <laughs> kind of horrifying, actually. Everybody just knows the Hindenburg from that guy. Like, oh, the humanity! That's so Florida. You're part of an animal. You're welcome. That is until they realized that a depth charge had simply rolled off of the deck. At what point do you? realized I was like, oh, that was me. We're eating a corned beef sandwich in zero G. Uh, unfortunately, the zero G part really kicked in. So yeah. this is about what, 1927. In real life, this guy would be like, I need a drink, and they passed the prohibition so I can't drink. And he like accidentally burned down one of the oldest cities in the world. That was definitely a fail. And just like a sad <laughs> point. Floating <laughs> nuclear power plants. Those words don't go together. We're going to talk about the late Victorian manure crisis. That's yeah. hot, hot garbage. Pretty wretched. Let's kill the Kaiser, boy. What are the chances? Accidentally shoot artillery. I, I just want to know what exactly was going on on this ship. Well, that's not concerning at all. I'm not great at math, but... So you're like, oh, great. Well, now I'm certainly going to die of hypothermia. And there's wolves and bears. You know, think about some interesting For story sure. that results in terrible destruction. This that is what this podcast is about. Epic feels. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
We've got more random tales of fail coming your way, so stay tuned for more epic fails of history. Yes, and now to get into this week's chapter discussion. Now, again, I always complain that I seem to get the boring chapters. I don't think I have this week. I think I've actually got a fairly decent one. So this week we are covering chapter 46 of The Eye of the World, Faldara. So our gang have just emerged out of the uh, out of the ways. And they were all very uh, disorientated by where they are. Because, you know, last time, we, last, last time they were out in the light, they were in the lovely walls of Camelin in some sort of dusty old basement. And then they suddenly emerge into this, like, almost like, dead, dying, barren wasteland where it looks like the trees have exploded. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, land, this is... Basically, we get a lot of land in this uh, chapter, which is kind of one of the things that I love. Um, and he explains that a lot of the trees actually do explode when it gets so cold that the water inside them freezes, causes the bark to expand so the trees explode out. <laughs> and um, I think he even says, like... Oh, it's not been, it's like, and it's not even like the dead of winter at the moment. It's like, the boys are just like, oh my God, what's this place like in the dead of winter? Are you just like walking past exploding trees? Like, bang! <laughs> bang goes the tree. Bang! Oh, fuck me, that sounds cold. <laughs> How cold must it get for a tree to explode from ice expansion? Is that actually a real thing? If that is a real thing, that is terrifyingly cold. Would also explain why there's probably no trees in the Arctic. <laughs> Every time something tries to grow, it just explodes. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough of the uh, exploding tree scenery. Uh, as they're walking along, they see a abandoned farm, uh, and they're just walking along the road, basically to Faldara, which apparently the way gate that they came out of is quite close to. And oh my god, there's like a at least five minute discussion on the curtains in this farmhouse. And it's kind of like, <laughs> sometimes I love the way Robert Jordan like dives into explaining the world around you. But sometimes he just seems to get a little bit stuck up on something. And yeah, in this case, you just get stuck up on the curtains. They don't, They start discussing like, oh, how long do you think it's been abandoned for? Should we stop here? Look at the curtains. Do they look like winter curtains to you? They don't look like winter curtains to me. Hmm, what sort of curtains have they had? And I think eventually like, Matt's just like, blood and ashes. Can we just like sit down or rest or just move on? Please. Get away from these fudging curtains. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, anyway, welcome to Curtain Gate, people. Who's who's twitching behind those curtains, eh? Who's lurking? Who's peering out on their neighbours? <laughs> Got a curtain lurker. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> carrying on. Uh, Rand also manages to uh, upset all the ladies in the group. Uh, obviously not Moraine. He wouldn't dare question Moraine. He does say to you, oh, excuse me again. Sorry, got sleeping tired on my chest. It makes me yawn a lot. <laughs> he um, he actually uh, speaks to Egwene and uh, Nynaeve and says to him, you know, maybe you guys don't need to come to the eye of the world. You know, maybe it's just us boys that need to go. And you girls can stay somewhere nice and safe. You know, not very chivalrous of you, Rand. Well, very chivalrous, I suppose. Uh, what's the word? He's... Uh, not being very inclusive of the ladies, shall we say, saying that they should probably, you know, go somewhere safe. And uh, yeah, as they clearly love pointing out to Rand, Moraine has explained that they are also part of the pattern. So he shouldn't be such a little bitch about it. 
And Egwene also mentions the dance that she was having when she was with the Tinkers. She was like, I, I just danced with him, you know. I, I knew I wasn't going to see him again. And she sort of runs off. It's just like, there's still this like really sort of tense sort of teenage angst attraction between Rand and Egwene going on. Um, they don't seem to be like, you know, all over each other and like looking at each other with like goggly eyes, but there's definitely some sort of tension there. Although, you know, it's not overly clear what it is, but obviously Egwene brings up the dance and apologises for it in a sort of roundabout way and kind of runs off. <laughs> Rand's looks like, why the hell did you bring that up? <laughs> um, anyway, so the gang carry on and they manage to reach Faldara which has a huge area around it. It's been completely cleared of trees. So that, um, I think Lan says it's for like, um, I want to say a mile, but that seems far too long. Although it's probably about right. But it's just like, basically, there's no way that anyone's going to walk up to these walls without being detected. And as they draw closer, Lan also pulls his hood down. And he tells the whole gang, saying, everyone, get your fucking hoods off. And Moraine, you know, they turn around. She's already done it. <laughs> she's well on that one. And it's basically... There's a law in the uh, borderlands up north that no man may hide his face. And it's to protect against Murdrill coming in. Uh, or little potential Kevins lurking in the uh, lurking in the corners. And now, one of the things we get a lot in this chapter, which is something that comes into play later on in the books, but it's something that we, we hear here. And I was a bit like, I made a note of it, and I was thinking, should I mention this? But considering this is mentioned like 8 or 9, 10, 15, 20 times in this chapter, I was like, yeah, yeah I can mention this. So everyone keeps shouting out, Daishan, Daishan, Daishan. And then even one guy runs up to Lan as they're entering Faldao and says, Will the golden crane, uh, crane? I can't speak. Will the golden crane fly again, Daishan? Oh, my God. This just really gets me. This, the... The story arc of the Golden Crane Daishan thing just, again, I've, I, I always say this, it's one of my favourite parts of the books, but that really is one of my favourite parts of the book. Like, the way that story art line plays out was one of the most emotional experiences I've ever had reading a book. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I love coming back to the Wheel of Time. And this is kind of the first, the first drop in the ocean of the Golden Crane and Daishan and all that stuff that we get. Someone runs up to land and says, Will the Golden Crane fly again, Daishan? And for me, you know, on a reread, just like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but for you guys, on your first read through, this is fairly important. <laughs> but you won't find out what it is for a couple of books. <laughs> um, and yeah, Lan's just very dismissive. You know, he gives him like a nice little response, but not a, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just like a, Peace be with you, sort of thing, you know. And the little kid runs off. No, not disheartened, but, you know, obviously not getting the answer he wanted. <sighs> and so Faldara, it's kind of like a, um, it really kind of feels like an encamped medieval castle type thing. You know, it's got this huge wall that is like basically the size of the walls in Camelin, but not as pretty. It's how it's described. But this is a place that is designed for battle. And even the inner keep has got its own little sort of area that's been, you know, around it that's clear from housing and everything. Lots of spikes and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's just like a place that looks like it was designed 
to be the last stand for the battle against the Dark One. Uh, and if you ask me, it sounds like a fucking awful place to live. <laughs> Why would you want to live somewhere where it's just like, hey, we're definitely going to get surrounded and murdered to death at some point. So we've designed this whole city so that we can last as long as possible. Sounds wonderful. Get me on a, get me on a plane, TripAdvisor, and send me there. You know, I'll be well happy. <laughs> Lots. Oh. Uh, so one of the things that also, there's a lot of people shouting, Daishan, Daishan. Uh, there's a lot of people also shouting glory to the builders. They're giving loyal some love, which I really like. Um, now, when we finally get to the inner sanctum of uh, Faldara, uh, a gentleman called Intar, who I vaguely remember being semi-important to the story. Like, you know, not like a huge main character, but I'm sure, he, I think he has some sort of input somewhere along the line, so I feel like he's worth mentioning. But he's kind of like uh, the right-hand man to Lord Agamar who is in charge of Faldara. And these guys, they've got like shaven heads, but a nice top knot on top. So the way, it's weird, it's weird how the Borderlands sort of, you know, how Robert Jordan puts them across. A lot of the areas you go to in uh, so-called, you know, Randland, um, a lot of these places, like they remind you of real world places within our own world, like, you know, like feudal Japan and stuff. And this is kind of like a weird cross to me. It feels like the way they act is almost like very Celtic. And they've got this top knot and uh, sort of fighting style that seems very um, like Asian in orientation. Um, but also it feels very like the way they're encamped and the way they describe the town and the castle. Like just medieval England. You know, which again can come back to the sort of Celtic side of things, but there's a weird sort of like nice cross thing here. And I know Robert Jordan used to like, you know, crossing his things um, that he used to create. So uh, I think this is a good example. It makes it feel really like original to itself, but again, it's got its roots in like real in like real world culture. You know, not always culture that still exists, but culture that was there and has been part of our own world so it makes it it makes it to you the reader feel more real if that makes sense <laughs> or am i just jabbering on i'm probably just jabbering on anyway uh, everyone's ask everyone just keeps asking lan over and over again are you going to raise the golden crane banner again and he's just again very very dismissive uh, intel does give us some good information though. he keeps telling us that there are more and more trollic camps appearing uh, around faldara and he says we're going to face them at a place called Tarwin's Gap. Now again, we don't really know much about Tarwin's Gap at this moment. This is, it's been name dropped, but it seems to be an important location. So I feel like it's worth mentioning. Uh, now we finally meet in. We finally meet up with Lord Agamar, and Moraine seems to know him quite well. They seem to be like on friendly terms, as if they met before. Um, and loyal, poor old. You know, I'm sure if he could turn bright red, his face would be like a smacked ass. He's really struggling with all these compliments everyone keeps giving him. Everyone keeps saying glory to the builders, and there's obviously some sort of northern language here as well, or maybe it's uh, specific to Shinar. But they say like oh, glory to the builders, and then blah, 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 something in this like weird made up language. And then loyal responds as well, normally in the made up lang, normally in this sort of strange language that Jordan's created, and yeah, everyone's just like he's just sorry. He just seems to be getting so embarrassed about it. Uh, Lord Agamar uh, offers everyone, you know, 
ah, you'll have a place to stay. You can help me fight just what I needed. I've got one of the best warders in the world here, and uh, I said, I, and you're worth like almost a thousand men on the battlefield. And she's like, yeah, I just want to stay for one night. It's like, ah, oh, fuck's sake, Moraine. <laughs> the boys need a rest. We've just been pushed out of Camelin and had to run through the ways and away from that big scary black cloud thing that kept whispering at me. And you're just going to give me one night's rest in a nice bed. You are an absolute ball ache, Moraine. <laughs> give the boys a rest, I say. Oh, or maybe not. And again, Agamar starts pushing, pushing down on Lan about being, you know, about will the uh, Golden Crane fly again? Will he come into battle with them? And uh, Lan's just sort of quiet for a couple of seconds and very dismissive, you know. He says, the seven towers are broken. Shinar is dead. And it's just like, sorry, mate. I can't help you. <laughs> can't help you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Lanny from the border, can he help you? God, that's a terrible Jamaican accent. I really shouldn't do accents. They're just appalling. Um, probably people probably think I'm being offensive. I'm not. I'm just terrible at stuff. I've, I've got a terrible Essex accent myself, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and Agamar actually even admits that as they are currently standing with the Trollocs uh, he is kind of planning to retreat to the northern capital maybe abandon Faldara because they're currently kind of by the looks of the uh, Trollocs armies that are being uh, assembled in and out of Tarwin's Gap they're outnumbered 10 to 1 which sounds horrific uh, as I said earlier about this place being a horrible place to be I'd say if you were ten outnumbered ten to one by Trollocs and Fades, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, on a I'll be on a plane south as soon as I could. Maybe not through the ways. That that, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> again, he keeps Agamar keeps pleading with Lan to raise the flag again, and Lan just without even really paying any attention, crushes the silver goblet of wine that he's holding in his hand. Spilling wine all over his place. One of the servants comes to like stab his hand clean. Lan, Lanny's just like, I'm a ward now, man. I can't, I can't live up to these expectations. This is my life. This is how I will fight the shadow. And even even Moraine, Moraine backs him up. Just like, yep, he's made his bed. He's with me now. And this is how we are going to fight the shadow. The shadow, like the war won't be won with billions of men being thrown into battle at Tarwin's Gap. It'll be run by the few. And it'll be done at the eye of the world. And Lord Gagamala asks Moraine, mm, can you find the eye? It's like, oh, Rachel. Just, I don't know why, but that line, every time I saw it, it just looked really dirty to me. It's completely innocent. But it's just like, hmm, hey, Moraine, can you find the eye? <laughs> oh, I'm so immature. <laughs> Uh, and then one of the things they also say that I really like here was they talk about the blight. And Agamar goes really deep on it. He's just like, the blight, it stirs. He's talking about the Dark One, of course. But the whole blight, the whole blight is the presence of the Dark One's spirit pushing down and corrupting things. And he says it stirs. Really builds up that emotion in you. Just about how desperate the situation is beginning to get in the land, especially with the Dark One's footprint falling across it. Footprint? Why do they footprint? They always use shadow in Wheel of Time. The Dark One's shadow falling across the land. Um, uh, and, you know, he asks him 
you know, he asks Moraine, you know, do you want to stay? You can stay for longer. You can help me fight at Tarwin's Gap. It'll be amazing. It'll be glorious. And Moraine turns him down and says, no, we need to find the green man. And he's like, no, well, well I tell you what, I will send you, I'll give you, I'll give you a legion of troops. You can have a thousand men, a thousand spears come to your aid. So no, don't need them. I need to find the green man. No one finds the green man. Only need will grant access. Need is the key. And she can't risk there being a man in the group who's after fame and fortune or anything like that. Because then the green man will not come. He will only come if there is need. And as Moraine puts it, there is no need greater than mine. Because this is also the point where Moraine reveals to us that she's actually met the green man once before. And apparently the, the rumours are, rumour has it, rumour has it, rumour has it. Do you know what? I actually can't stand Adele. <laughs> but my wife's been really into it recently, so I've heard that song a lot. <laughs> so sorry, I apologise for my Adele outbreaks, outburst. Um, <laughs> Rich, Rich will punish me. <laughs> um Oh, where I was like, yeah, there's no, uh, I'm an ex, uh, no need is greater than mine. And then, um, and then we basically get in, they basically start leaving all, like, it's really strange because even, even the way Rand describes it in his head, it's just like, suddenly it's like a switch. They stop talking business, basically. It's just like, and everyone's just like, hey, how are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Where have you come from? Where the two rivers? What's the two rivers? And it just suddenly like, that was it. Cut, you know. She said, I don't need any help. I'm just going to stay for a night. Thank you very much. I'm going to, carry on and Agamar was just like yeah done I've done my niceties you've turned me down fuck it let's carry on <laughs> and yeah they're all talking about it and then Matt even mentions the fact that there's a song called Coming Home from Tarwin's Gap back in the Two Rivers and then at this point Lord Agamar goes ah brilliant and then he breaks out the Two Rivers to back and he says about how ex bloody expensive this shit is <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> Robert Jordan doesn't mention it but I imagine the boys are just like Pfft. That's dirt cheap where I come from. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they all start having a little pipe. A little cheeky pipe of two rivers tobacco. And um, this is where they start to sort of reminisce about a few things. And Loyal is very sad about the fact the groves are gone were uh, nearby. And Lord Agamar explains as well. He says, yeah, you know, we did even consider replanting it. But we knew we could never recreate the, uh, the beauty of what the groves once were. He said, now we kind of just, in the north, we have our simplistic beauties. If there is a flower blooming by itself in the middle of a rock, it has its own beauty on it. And then suddenly Lan pipes up out of nowhere and recites a very short, but very poignant poem. He says, the rose petals floats on the water. The kingfisher flashes above the pond. Life and beauty swirl in the mist of death. Land, man. Land just by just yeah, just dropped out a little little cheeky poem there, you know. And I've I've written down here in my notes. He's a motherfucking onion. He's got so many layers, <laughs> which is a joke about uh, a British white class middle rappers being uh, a wrapping, wrapping uh, lettuce. We've got so many layers that you keep peeling back. Um, that's going to make sense to absolutely no one about from like two people I know uh, but yeah he's a mofo onion um, and that's how Rand describes him he's just like every time he sees him there's just another layer to peel back <laughs> I just like that really made me laugh because it just reminded me of an old joke between some of my friends 
Um, and then Maureen, uh, Maureen starts talking about, uh, no, Agamar starts talking about how he had to, um, he found a couple of dark friends trying to, you know, make make easy access for trade uh, for fades and trollocs into Feldara and the people tore them to pieces and she says you know dark friends have no land because he says I can't believe I've got dark friends who come from Shinar and she's basically like no dark friends have no land they have no home and they have no people they are who they are and then suddenly there's a report of a man trying to climb the walls into Feldara and Agamar's really pissed off he's like god how did the guards not spot him until he was half climbing up a wall? And then they bring the man into the room and this is it. The boys suddenly freak out and start like, oh my God, it's him. It's the peddler. It's the madman. It's the beggar. It's the one and only Padding Fane. And Padding Fane is like a cowering, whimpering child of a man in front of all these people. He's just like clearly, clearly mad out of his mind. Going absolutely crazy. Talking about him and his burning eyes. He made me do it. He made me come. He made me. And, um, yep, Moraine wants to have a chat with Pad and Fane. But she wants him to wash him first because he stinks. <laughs> the amount of dirt that, that Robert, Robert Jordan spends like five minutes just describing how dirty Padan Fane is in this moment. It's hilarious. The the tear going down his cheek that makes a streak in the dirt but fails to actually get down to his skin. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, my oh, sorry, excuse that cough. Um yeah, so she's like, yeah, wash that arsehole first before I have a chat with him. And then all of a sudden, Padan Fane's persona just snap. Completely changes. He becomes suddenly regal, like he was the king. And he starts to barter with Agamar. And he promises that he can help defeat the Dark One. And that he has the key into defeating him. Oh, but if you try. If you but try and listen to me. And, yeah, he's just like suddenly, just like he's the boss of the world, Padden Fane. He's gone from being this cowering wimp of a man to being, I'm a little bit broken, but I'm here to help. <laughs> And then suddenly Moraine stands up. She puts her hands on Matt's shoulder. And then suddenly Matt seems to relax. I think he was standing there, you know, polishing his ruby dagger. Uh, which, of course, you know, is not good for Matt to hold the dagger. So she puts his hand on his shoulder and he noticeably relaxes. Whispers something in his ear. We're like, hey, big boy, <laughs> you put that down. <laughs> and as she walks up, she walks up to Padding Fane and he starts to cower again. I'm sorry, he made me do it. And Moraine's just like, this man is the most dangerous man I've ever seen. And she basically decides that she doesn't have time to bath him. She needs to question him now. <laughs> while, he's like, while he's like cowering in fear of at her feet. And let's not forget, Moraine's only supposed to be like five foot two or something in this book. She's not very, she's not like very big. And yeah, she's just like, just walking up to him just makes him cower in fear. And that brings an end to the chapter. And now, the Taviren present to you Readings with Rob. Chapter 46, Faldara. Lan tossed back the hood of his cloak and, despite the cold, motioned for the others to do the same. Ma Rain had already lowered hers. It's the law in Shinir, 
the water said. In all the borderlands, no one may hide his face inside a town's walls. Are they all that good looking? Matt laughed. A half-man can't hide with his face exposed. The warder said in a flat voice. Rand's grin slid off his face. Hastily, Matt pushed back his hood. The gate stood open, tall and covered with dark iron. But a dozen armored men stood guard in the golden-yellow surcoats bearing the Black Hawk. The hilts of long swords on their backs peeked over their shoulders, and broadsword or mace or axe hung at every waist. Their horses were tethered nearby, made grotesque by the steel bodies covering chests and necks and heads, with lances to stirrup all ready to ride at an instant. The guards made no move to stop Lan and Moraine and the others. Indeed, they waved and called out happily. Daishan! One cried, shaking steel, gauntleted fists over his head as they rode past. Daishan! A number of others shouted, Glory to the builders! And, Kisore to one show! Loyal looked surprised, then a broad smile split his face, and he waved to the guards. One man ran alongside Lan's horse a little way, unhampered by the armor he wore. Will the golden crane fly again, Daishan? Peace, Ragin, was all the water said, and the men fell away. He returned the guards' waves, but his face was suddenly even more grim. As they rode through the stone-paved streets, crowded with people in wagons, Rand frowned worriedly. Faldara was bulging at the seams, but the people were neither eager crowds of Camelin, enjoying the grandeur of the city even as they squabbled, nor the milling throngs of Berlan. Packed cheek by jowl, these folk watched their party ride by with leaden eyes and faces blanked of emotion. Carts and wagons jammed every alleyway and half the streets, piled high with jumbled household furnishings and carved chests packed so tight their clothes spilled. On top sat the children. Adults kept the younglings up where they could be seen and did not let them stray even to play. The children were even more silent than their elders, their eyes bigger, more haunting in their stares. The nooks and crannies between the wagons were filled with shaggy cattle and black-spotted pigs in makeshift pens. Crates of chickens and ducks and geese fitfully made up for the silence of the people. He knew now where all the farmers had gone. Lan led the way to the fortress in the middle of the town, a massive stone pile atop the highest hill. A dry moat, deep and wide, its bottom a forest of sharp steel spikes, razor-edged and as tall as a man, surrounded the tower walls of the keep. A place for last defense if the rest of the town fell. From one of the gate towers, an armor man called down. Welcome, Daishan! Another shouted to the inside of the fortress. The Golden Crane! The Golden Crane! Their hooves drummed on the heavy timbers of the lower drawbridge as they crossed the moat and rode under the sharp points of the stout portcullis. Once through the gate, Land swung down out of his saddle to lead Mandarb, signaling the others to dismount. That was Readings with Rob. 
If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at TaviranPod with your request. That's where we end. So, how on earth Padding Fane has made it this far? I mean, he must have come through the ways. Considering, like, the amount of distance they've travelled or saved themselves travelling by going through the ways. And Padding Fane was seen in Camelin. He was there when Rand was there trying to get a glimpse of Loghain. So it was only like a day or two before they entered the ways. And then suddenly they've arrived in Faldara and he's just behind them. He must have followed them through the ways. And oh my God, is he one crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> Good old Paddy Fane. Oh. So, um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this chapter, you know. As I said before, I've complained <laughs> that Rob seems to just leave me with the boring chapters to go solo on. But, um, yeah, not so much. I actually really, really enjoyed this one. Um, it was nice getting to a new place. Robert Jordan always does an excellent job of describing new places, so I was not disappointed to find out about Faldara. And like I said, I find it quite intriguing. Like The images it poses in my head of being this sort of cross between uh, the Celtic north of England and... Um, uh, feudal sort of Japanish styles which I thought was really nice and then uh, yeah and then the, the whole padding fame thing suddenly catching up with the boys and the gang and uh, yeah just all this weird stuff about you know what is Daishan what is the golden crane what is the seven towers of Shinna Shinnavar Shinnavar oh why do I think Shinnavar is the wrong word I feel like Shinnavar might be from the Stormlight Archive. <laughs> oh no, I've got it in my head now. I can only think of the word Shinnifer. Okay, sorry. Uh, let's carry on anyway. Uh, wherever wherever that is, place is. <laughs> I think it's from completely different books. Uh, anyway, uh, so next week, guys, we are going to be covering... I say we. God knows who it's going to be. <laughs> you probably have some uh, random person you've never met before doing next week's show. Uh, it will be chapter 47, More Towels of the wheel which let's face it guys that sounds like there's going to be a uh, tellings of the wheel hidden in that lovely chapter somewhere <laughs> oh what a treat for you all what a treat for the eyes or the ears because it's podcasting <laughs> you know only tyler's thumbnails will be the treat for your eyes by the way guys reach out to tyler at jack's cult on twitter and let him know how great his thumbnails are for the show they are amazing uh, and speaking of which, you can always follow us on Twitter. Uh, we are... God, what is our Twitter handle? <laughs> Tarvary and Pod. Yep. <laughs> to have sunny people for a second there. Uh, yeah, follow us at Tarvary and Pod. If you want to follow me specifically, you can follow me at Matunica. M-E-T-U-N-N-I-C-A. It's a silly name, silly name that somehow means Metallica and Biscuits. Don't ask. Uh, you can join the Discord. Uh, we are <laughs> We are trying to be good Discorders. Uh, it kind of died a little while ago after a certain uh, weirder time YouTuber opened Discord. And uh, I, I can't blame them. Most of our Discord followers kind of jumped ship. Uh, <laughs> his place was a lot more active. So uh, this shit happens. But, you know, we've got a small little dedicated community going on there. And I'm slowly working on building it up. And we're also trying to get some little bonuses in there for our Discord people. So please join us, guys. You know, we want to we wanna have our own little mini community here as part of the pattern. The pattern of the Tarvira podcast. Um, um, and 
as far as our network goes, uh, you know, we are part of the We Can Make This Work, uh, we can make this work Probably Network. Uh, I am currently running uh, with uh, another podcast on the network, uh, our Materia Lockdown, which is a Final Fantasy VII challenge event uh, for charity. Uh, it started on March 3rd. It's going to run until June 3rd. And if you like, uh, if you've, you know, I know this is a, our, a book podcast, but if you are in any way, shape or form, enjoying or like to enjoy Final Fantasy VII, uh, the computer game for the PlayStation 1. Uh, it's a charity playthrough of that, and we're trying to raise money for the uh, Motor Neurone Disease Association. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the... Um, I'll put a link in the, uh, the episode description below. Uh, but yes, my mum sadly died, uh, passed away. Um, it was almost two years ago, actually. Um, it'll be two years ago on the 19th of March uh, from Motor Neurone Disease. And uh, the MMDA were just amazing for my me and my family. So it's just a, a, a silly little way that I can try and... Uh, each year, you know, give a little bit back to some people who really helped me in my own uh, get through what was a really tough time for us. It was, you know, it's a horrible thing to go through. And motor neuron disease is uh, just a horrible, horrible thing. Um, I'm choking up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's going on. Uh, we also are doing a, um, uh, we do our podcasters assemble uh, where we've done, uh, it's like a hype type podcast. So uh, they did the MCU universe in uh, preparation for Endgame, uh, where they went. Uh, they did uh, every single MCU film, uh, where people submit you know their favorite parts of the film, and then we cut and paste it all together really nicely. Uh, we did the Star Wars universe recently in the run up to Christmas for the new Star Wars film, and we're currently doing a James Bond season for the new James Bond film. Which yes, yes, before you say it, I know it's been delayed. But the delay means instead of just doing the Daniel Craig movies, we're going to do all 25 Bond movies. So if you are a fan of James Bond, check out our podcast, Podcasters Assemble. And there'll be some lovely stuff coming your way very shortly. And I think as well, we're going to be doing our game jam again this year. But um, I'm not sure that's been confirmed yet. But if it is, that should start on the 20th of April. 420, is that right? Something like that. Uh, so yeah, you know, we might be doing a, a game jam where people will make uh, have a short period of time to make a brand new computer game and see how it goes. Um, you know, we if you uh, if you like the show, please rate and review us. Uh, I will be creating a uh, a little musical interlude for when we don't get iTunes reviews, and I'm sure you'll all get sick of it very quickly. <laughs> so if you don't want to have to keep listening to that. Uh, please submit us uh, reviews on whatever podcasting apps you have. Uh, don't forget, we're also available on YouTube. Again, we're just we're almost reached a hundred subscribers on that, which is just amazing to me. Uh, I never ever thought of YouTube as being like a viable podcasting platform, but apparently it is. Um, so yeah, you know, find us on YouTube. Uh, just search Tarveren T A V E R E N, uh, and you'll find us. Subscribe and join the conversation there. Um, just so many places you can basically love the pod. And don't forget, we also have a Patreon now. We're going to be getting bonus content on there and everything. So if you want to sponsor us a buck, just let just you know throw it our way, and um, Rich will probably <laughs> use it to buy me a drink, which he owes me. So speaking of which, it's time for a drink. Oh yeah, Lord, I hear Lord Agamar has got a bitching selection of a scotch down in the basement. So I'm going down there and I'm going to have myself a good time. Uh, and as for Rob and Rich, they couldn't be bothered to be here. So I'm going to drink all the fucking scotch for myself.
<laughs> Alrighty, guys. Have fun with the pattern. I'll see you all next week. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Lan. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert, I know that girl from Berlon said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Hello, dark friends. Now's your chance to atone and help the boys by throwing them a buck or two over at Patreon and help keep them from spending any more nights under a bush. Well, not rich, but Rob and Bill deserve a nice bed at an inn for a change. Get exclusive access to bonus content and much, much more. So go to patreon.com forward slash the Tarviran and donate a couple of bucks. That's patreon.com forward slash the Tarviran and come be part of the pattern.